Welcome to the Church at the Springs podcast. The Springs exist to lead our generation to God and connect people to a community of Christ followers who change their world. To learn more about us, visit thesprings.net. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, Happy New Year. It's good to see everyone. Man, anyone else uh, stay up last night? Anyone stay up till midnight? You guys, troopers. Those are, those are also the people that, I don't know, don't have kids or are empty nesters. I don't know about you guys, but we, we didn't stay up until midnight, but we did have uh, some family over. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but we put on last year's ball drop so that they thought the ball was dropping at 7.40 p.m. Uh, So that's how we got through last night. But man, it is so good to be with you guys here this morning as we kick off the new year. I mean, literally day one. And I, I, man, anything new is just a lot of fun. Like anything new. And and this is why for me, like my love language is gifts. So I love giving gifts. I love the Christmas time and the new year. Our our oldest son's birthday is in January. This is just a fun time. And especially around Christmas, like our boys are seven, six and two. So this is just so much fun as a family. Uh, I don't know if, if you guys had a crazy Christmas. I know we did. Uh, Christmas Eve, man, we had 11 Christmas services uh, for my wife, Anita. She works full-time from home. So December's a crazy month and she was working 70 hours a week and I was doing the Christmas services and the prep and Christmas Eve, after we got done with the Christmas services, we still had to wrap presents. And uh, we ended up getting done wrapping our presents at 3 a.m. Uh, on Christmas. And then uh, my youngest, Barrett, who's two, he woke up at 3.30 a.m. And I was able to go to sleep at 4 a.m. and then woke up to a phone call from my boys ready for Christmas to start at 5 a.m. So Merry Christmas. And you have to wonder like, what, why do you do that? I mean, okay, why do you do that? I have poor time management skills. That's probably why. But, but who does that is a different question. Like, who stays up all night, like, wrapping these gifts? And the answer is pretty easy. It's someone who wants to see a dream come true. Like, for my kids, there is nothing better. And I know they dreamt about Sonic Frontiers and electric scooters, and Barrett had been asking asking for a fire truck for a month. And there was nothing better than waking up and seeing their dreams come true. But has anyone realized that it takes work to turn dreams into reality? It takes a lot of work, but we, we all have dreams. And I know so often we think like, we'll see someone who has a great marriage and we'll think like, man, they are so lucky. When in reality, luck had nothing to do with it. It was hard work and it was communication and behind the scenes. And, and there, are wor- there is work to be done if we want to achieve our goals or our vision or our dreams. And we all have those. And if you don't have dreams, you are literally dying. 
Scripture tells us in Proverbs 29, 18, it says this, that where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there are no dreams, where there is no goals set, where there's no hope for a better future or a preferred future, the people are dying. You know, a vision is simply a a God-given picture of what could be. A vision is God, a God-given picture of what should be, but sadly, most people live outside of that. Most of the friends that I know, and I've gone through so many seasons where I don't live with this, this zeal for a dream or a goal for a better future. You've had life just beat you down, and we have to navigate that in 2023 because there is no better time to dream than day one of a new year. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today is what is your dream for 2023? Because we all have them, but we also have our goals get a little derailed. I don't know about you, but like, man, you may have your week mapped out like tomorrow morning. You have your week mapped out. You you feel good about your to-do list. And then you get that dreaded phone call from the school and your kid's sick. I mean, we experienced this. This was a, a couple of weeks ago. Like I, I was here at work and Anita had taken Rourke on a field trip and I get a phone call from the school and it was one of Vaughn's teachers, Mrs. Amy. And I, I love Miss Amy. She goes here, God bless those teachers that take care of the kids. But I get a phone call from her and she said, hey, Vaughn wanted me to call you. He's got a fever. Uh, your, your wife is on a field trip And he said he could call his dad because his dad's at work, but his dad doesn't do anything important. (laughs) So thanks, buddy. And you better believe I left that kid at school. I didn't pick him up. I'm just kidding. I picked him up. But like, you know, you need better friends. You need better relationships in your life, but you don't seem to be able to connect with anyone. And where do you even meet the right people? Or you have a dream for a better marriage, but your spouse snores. Right? Some things are just out of the realm of reality. You'll just always have to live with that. But Nehemiah is who we're talking about today. And Nehemiah was no different in that most of our dreams tend to die a death of a million cuts. Of something happens, something throws us off track, something derails our goals and our vision. And Nehemiah was no different. He is a case study on how to navigate the design of a godly promise, of a godly desire, and of a godly dream. And we see this in Nehemiah 2, and we're going to get a little more backstory, but this is where we see the promise that was given from God. Nehemiah 2.12, Nehemiah says, I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. You see, Nehemiah gets this vision for a better future, but the process and the design of a dream was a long one. And for Nehemiah, what's going on uh, at this point in time? See, right here in Nehemiah 2, we find out that Nehemiah gets this. And something that we all desire for the new year, a promise from God. He gets this this desire for a better future and this dream, this goal, this vision. And, And what is happening to give him that dream for Nehemiah? Well, it is about 587 BC when Nehemiah is written. 
And in 587 BC, Nehemiah is there, but before all of that, the Babylonians had invaded and destroyed and taken into exile the southern city of Judah. And all of the people that were in Jerusalem were living in exile. The Persians come along under King Cyrus and defeat the Babylonians. And for whatever reason, King Cyrus allows all of the people that were living in exile to return to their homeland and try to rebuild their lives. If you have ever heard some of the Bible stories of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Daniel and the lion's den, all of that happens right here around this same time in this 580, 590 BC era. And so what happens is Nehemiah gets this, he gets this promise from God. And for him, this was that he would rebuild the city walls around Jerusalem. And every promise of God comes with something, and that is the payoff. Every promise that we receive from God comes with a payoff. And for Nehemiah, the payoff was, was great. The, ne the payoff was exciting. It was that his friends and his family and his neighbors and everyone he knew and that he grew up with would now have safety and security in a place that was fortified and not be under the threat of attack constantly. That was an exciting, exciting payoff for Nehemiah. But between the promise and the payoff is right where we tend to struggle. Between the promise and the payoff is right where we tend to see our dreams die because we get derailed and we get crushed and we get derailed by what life has to throw at us and we get derailed in the middle of it. And in between the promise and the payoff is the process. And this is where so many of us have our dreams crushed is the process and the process, if, I mean, honestly, I think the process is even more important than the promise or the payoff. What happens in between? And so how do we navigate our dreams through this idea of living in here on the in-between? When we start the new year and we know we have goals and we know we have a vision, but we don't know how to get there. What do we do in the process? Because we have promises from God, not only in 2023, but every single day in 2023, we have promises that are renewed from God. And if we can just put the pieces together that we can learn from Nehemiah about the process we will be able to see our dreams become reality. And the first thing that you can jot down if you're taking notes or if you're following along in the Bible app, the first thing that we'll learn from Nehemiah about the process of a dream is that we have to pray through the process. We have to pray through the process. You see, prayer is so important. Man, if you're trying to set a goal for 2023, start there. It starts with prayer. Prayer is the path that you stay on to get you from the promise to the payoff. Prayer is how you stay on track when your dreams get derailed. And for Nehemiah at this point, right before we see in chapter one where Nehemiah begins, Nehemiah is comfortable. He's well-respected, he's connected. We, we believe that Nehemiah was either born in exile, 
when the Babylonians destroyed the southern city of Judah, or he was, he was born right after and super young when he went through exile. And so what we find out with Nehemiah is he is the king's cupbearer. And I think that was like the, the best and also the worst job ever. Like you get, to, you get to eat great food, you get to have conversations with the king, you get to drink his wine, you get to eat his food. The only bummer and downside is, downside is that you might die doing it. So it's a pretty big bummer, but that's the job that Nehemiah had for the king. And what happens is he gets asked this question that shapes the rest of his life that he asks someone, he has his friends and his brothers visit him. He is currently in Persia as the king's cupbearer. This is modern day Iran. It's about 900 miles from Jerusalem. And he gets visited by his friends and his brothers and he asks them one question. He just says, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? Have you ever asked someone, how's it going? And you're almost shocked when the response is anything other than good. Like for me, I might meet you out in the lobby and I may ask you like, hey, how's it going? You could say terrible. And I may just say, man, so good to hear. Just out of muscle memory. <laughs> like it's true, I, at, out in the lobby, I had a guy uh, once say, are you really asking? Do you really wanna know or are you just asking? And the truth is, is, most of us are just asking, but Nehemiah asks this question, how's it going? And his friends respond and say, terrible. They respond and say that the city of Jerusalem is in ruins. The walls are down and they are constantly under the threat of attack. And Nehemiah responds like this in, in chapter one, verse four. It says, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. For days he mourned. You see, as a Jewish person, he hears about the plight of his people and he feels something and he, know, he knows he has to do something. He has to take action and God plants in him a promise to rebuild the walls around the city of Jerusalem. Yet he spends four months doing absolutely nothing except praying. He spends four months before he's able to even have an opportunity to speak with the king. He spends that time in prayer for four months. Like he's not kicking back, watching reruns of Gilmore Girls, just sitting on his butt like he is taking action, he is praying, he is constantly around the, around the God that he worships and he prays this prayer and we see this prayer. And this is, I'll just say this, like, man, if you were trying to have prayer be something you're building in your life in 2023, look at this entire chapter because this is just the anatomy of a perfect prayer. But at the end, he prays this. He says, oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. You see what Nehemiah is praying for is favor with the king. 
What he is praying for is for this opportunity that when he speaks to the king, that the king's heart would be softened and he would be able to align the vision and make it clear to the king of the promise that God gave him. I mean, for most of us, if we heard about this struggle or this plight from people, most of us would go, well, they're 900 miles away. For us here in Ocala, that's about the equivalent from, from here to Austin, Texas. And that would be like, most of us would hear that and go, well, thoughts and prayers. We go, well, we're gonna pray for those people that are far away. And that is precisely why thoughts and prayers get such a bad rap. If you want a better, more fulfilling 2023 as a Christ follower, we really should work on doing less thoughts and prayers and more praying about the actions that we will take. And that's exactly what Nehemiah prays. He prays for an opportunity because the path between getting the dream and getting to the dream is paved with prayer. And you know what it's like to pray a prayer like this that Nehemiah prays. Like if you've ever had to go in for a job interview for something that you really, really wanted, if you've ever had to have a hard conversation with a family member about, about money or an addiction, or if you've ever asked someone out on a date, like you have these desires and God is right there with you and you pray this prayer for favor. And that was the prayer that Nehemiah prayed but he prayed not about the miracle, but for the opportunity, which is what we learn is that we have to pray through the process and that opportunities set the stage for miracles. Opportunities set the stage for miracles. Nehemiah prayed for an opportunity. And this is what we see in the next chapter, but this was a long shot for Nehemiah and a dangerous one as well. That the king was not necessarily known for his heart for the underdog. The king was not known for caring about those with less. And frankly, you could be put to death for even upsetting the king. So Nehemiah knew there was a lot at stake and he finally gets his opportunity in Nehemiah 2. And it says this, early the following spring in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. And then I was terrified. And the reason that Nehemiah is terrified is because he could be put to death for upsetting the king. But this was his opportunity. But I replied, long live the king. That's a great way to respond. Next time I'm in an argument with my wife, I'm just gonna go long live Anita. And that will start there. But how can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And the king asked, well, how can I help you? And God grants him favor for the very thing that he spent four months praying for. It's interesting to me that in this scripture and in this passage, Nehemiah doesn't pray for a miracle. 
Nehemiah doesn't pray for a miracle. Nehemiah prays for an opportunity for the miracle. And if we are to pray through the process, what we should be praying is for an opportunity. So often when we pray, we pray for miracles. We go, dear God, like, just let me win the lottery. It's probably, that's a bad, that's a bad example. Don't pray that prayer, God, that's not going to work out. But we'll say like, God, I just want the miracle. Take this affliction away from me. Remove this addiction that I have. Just magically, we wanna go from the promise to the payoff and totally skip the most important part of the process. But when Nehemiah prays to God, he doesn't ask God, God, rebuild the wall. What he asks God is an opportunity to rebuild the wall himself. So often we want God to do these great miraculous works but it will never happen if we're not willing to get our hands dirty. It will not happen if we're not willing to work through the process. Like if you're a parent, you probably have hopes and dreams for your kids. If you're a parent, you, you probably have this, this prayer and this dream and this promise that God gave you. You probably hope that your kids would grow up to be men and women with godly character. What I'm saying in this is don't pray that God just makes them men and women of godly character. Pray for opportunities to build that character in them. And for, for so many, and this is in every instance, like, man, for the people that you have friends or family that aren't believers, don't pray that God would just magically save them. Don't pray that prayer. Pray for an opportunity for you to share your story with them. Pray for an opportunity to invite them to church because opportunities set the stage for miracles. And if you want a miracle, in 2023, don't just pray for it. Pray for the opportunity to take action in it. You have a role and a part to play. And that's the difference. And what we see at the end of Nehemiah and, and, and through his story is that we have to understand that miracles involve other people. They do miracles involve other people. Nehemiah 3 is this interesting chapter in Nehemiah where it just long lists all of these names and the projects they took on and what they owned, and it seems tedious. And in Nehemiah chapter 3, it, it just lists all of these names. For an example, here's one of them. It just says, Nehemiah 3.28, above the horse gate, the priests repaired the wall. The horse gate was just one of many of the gates into the city. Each one repaired the section immediately across from his own house. What Nehemiah is saying is everyone took part. Everyone took ownership. Everyone took Action. By the time the Israelites start to rebuild the wall, they are all getting involved. And there's this one phrase that's repeated through Nehemiah chapter 3. That is the very reason the miracle happens. It's this phrase, next to them. In chapter three, where it just lists all of these names, what it says over and over again, 11 times it says next 
to them. Verse two, people from the town of Jericho worked next to them. Verse four, beside him. Verse seven, next to them. Verse nine, next to them. 10, next to him. 16, next to him. 17, next to him. 19, next to them. 20, next to him. 23, he changes it up a little bit and says after them, which just means next to them. And then verse 25, next to him. You see, this was not a one-man project because no miracle ever is. No miracle excludes people. And what you have to understand is that dreams and visions and goals, if it is a godly one, no dream is about you changing the world. It just isn't. What a dream is, is it's about God changing you for the benefit of the world. What it is, is miracles involving people. And the miracle in Nehemiah, I mean, I, I hesitate to even say this, but like the miracle in Nehemiah, there was no overt miracle in Nehemiah. He prays for one, he prays for this opportunity, but there is no water into wine moment, no fish and loaves of bread being multiplied, no great drastic moment. What the miracle was in Nehemiah is that the entire nation banded together and worked together as a team. That was the miracle, the impossible made possible. So my question to you this morning is, Who's standing next to you? Who's standing next to you? Because as we enter 2023, we are about to start building. We have Middleton on the rise, our fourth campus that we will start building this year. And, and honestly, like our prayers are the exact same as Nehemiah's. God, give us favor. God, give us opportunity with the right people to have the right conversation. God, prepare their hearts so that they might understand and show us favor in the vision. God, give us opportunities to be able to take action for the dream that you gave the Springs. Middleton is starting this year and some of you, I mean, many of you will have a part in that story that God is writing, in that dream and in that promise that he's given to the Springs. Many of you have already made yourself a part of this dream. But honestly, I know that some of you will sit on the sidelines and watch. Some of you will miss out. Some of you won't get involved. Some of you won't serve. Some of you won't give. And what I want you to understand that we can learn from Nehemiah about a dream is that Man, spectators, while it's fun, spectators don't win championships. They just don't, it's the team that wins. For a spectator, it's exciting and you can celebrate, but man, the team wins the championship. It's something totally different to get on the field and take part in the miracle. And I am humbled and grateful for the team that God has orchestrated around the Springs. And not only for all the volunteers that Thomas had talked about, not only like on staff and who God has brought to the Springs, but the Springs as a whole. 
It is such an exciting time, and I am so grateful to be a part. And we have seen God move in miraculous ways already with Middleton Springs. You have given since last December, you have given $1,985,000 to Middleton. That's incredible. And that was just from us talking about it twice. And what's even more incredible is that $1,987,000 that has been given, it was given by 387 families. That's incredible, that's amazing. Can you imagine what would happen if the other 2,000 families that call the Springs home joined us? Can you imagine what would happen if the other families, more than the 387, if more stood on the wall next to us, took part, took ownership? Can you even imagine God could do incredible things? And we expect him to. And God is inviting you and I in 2023 to take part, to take our place on the wall and stand together as we move into the building and as we move into this process. And some of you think that this is about the building. And I just want you to know it's not about the building. It's never been about the building. All the building is, is a means to reach the people. That's always what the heartbeat has been for the Springs. It has always been about the people. A miracle involves people because the promise, the process and the payoff has always been about people. I mean, it was for God. God had a promise given to all people that he would have a relationship with you, that he would have a relationship and forgive sins and be able to give you the power of the Holy Spirit, to be able to give you dreams, to come alongside you, to never leave you, to never forsake you. It has always been a promise for all people. And the process was a brutal one. The process was on that cross. The process is what we celebrated last week with the birth of our savior. And it started there and, he, and Jesus, his son, who was perfect, died a brutal death on a cross for my sins and for your sins. Because the payoff has always been about the people. The payoff has always been about a relationship with you. And if you don't yet have a relationship with the God of the universe, and you could start that and make that dream a reality today. You could pray that prayer right here and right now. Will you bow your heads with me? If that's you here in this place and, and you want to start a relationship with the God of the universe, you can do that simply by praying a prayer, not out loud, but just between you and God. And you can just say, dear God, I know that I have sinned. I ask that you come into my heart, be the leader and savior of my life forever. And it is in the mighty, perfect and precious name of Jesus, amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, be sure to leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you're in the area, join us on Sundays. For times and locations, visit thesprings.net. And again, thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast.